Hey friends, Dean here with some exciting news to share. You can now buy us a coffee. That's right. You can help support independent content creators like us by becoming a member of the 3324 Green Room at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324. Our episodes will always be free and that will not change, but your support at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 will help us continue to bring you the best in music and movie podcasting, in our humble opinion. As a Green Room supporter, you'll not only have our undying gratitude, but you'll also be able to vote on which episodes we record and receive other perks for as low as $3 per month. That's the price of a cup of coffee. There's absolutely no obligation and nothing about the show will change. It's not going behind a paywall. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 for all the details. The link will be in the show notes of every episode as well. We'll see you in the green room. In this episode, we're looking back at what has to be one of the most prolific bands of all time. Tons of hits, but they never top the charts. Stay with us for Credence, Clearwater, Revival. Get ready for the 3324 Podcast, where lifelong friends Dean Legiro and Eric Cooper share their love of all things music and movies. Dean has directed short films and is a music trivia buff. And Eric, trained in audio engineering, brings his extensive knowledge of music and film to the conversation as they discuss, debate, and celebrate their favorite albums, films, and much more. Welcome, friends, to the 3324 Podcast, your home for music and movie entertainment. Fun facts, knowledge, debates, right? <laughs> top, top fives. I mean, you know. When you, when you spread, yeah, when you spread it out on the table, there's a lot there. I think yeah. live show, live shows. I mean, this is an industry. <laughs> this is like this is like the workers in Metropolis. They're all like each one is like turning a gear that yeah, makes the pod, definitely that, that makes the podcast go. Yeah, it's definitely uh, has grown into something. You know, something it's yeah. like a thing. You know, it grows, it morphs into something else, and from one thing that's, to another. That's why we have all those workers. We have all those <laughs> workers in the factory. Create, helping create this podcast, stitching yeah. together our words and then putting them in digitally to make it. <laughs> if you guys didn't know how it works, that's how a podcast works. It takes a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're just the two front facing ones, but there's well, there actually, there's actually nobody else behind us. <laughs> it's just us two. We're just a couple. <laughs> just two guys in a room in separate rooms, actually not even in the same state. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the wonder of technology. That's, that's we've been the doing this how long now? This is our third year. And we our third year. still have not done a, an epi- single episode live in person. Yeah. We came close, but we, yeah. we, were on vac- we were actually on vacation. But I'm, I'm like, I don't want to do it. We're on vacation. Like, we're, we're on hanging. vacation. I didn't yeah. want to do like a. <laughs> I, think that I don't want to sit our... in a room. That was well, 20, that was 2021. That was the first yeah, that, year. Yeah, that was our first. Like, we were, I think we were only in it for like a month or two. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. We're yeah already no, three, three, four, <laughs> three, four months, and uh, it's like, yeah. He, Eric's like, yeah, let's do a, let's do a podcast episode. So I brought the stuff, and then I'm like, nah, I, we're hanging out. I haven't seen the dude in person in years. It's like I don't want to sit across the table and do what we do each week. Yeah. So we we went to the Star Trek Experience Studio <laughs> Tour, which was much more invigorating and fulfilling than because uh, I had never been. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. So we 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 will put together some type of a live thing at at some point. It's going to happen. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Yeah. I just need another warm body next to me. Some. (laughs) Okay. I'm not sure. We can we can arrange. I can arrange that. That doesn't have to be me. I can have. Well, no, no. no, It's just. You know what I mean. I mean, I I want. 
I want the interaction <laughs> live. I don't, you know. Oh, okay, okay. It's it kind of kind of lonely in the room. I thought you know? I thought you were, I thought you were asking for something else. No, 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 no. You said you want a warm going, body. Get next your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> it's not, I didn't say I didn't say anything. Every everybody will read into it what they will. So before we okay. get too far afield from what we're doing. Uh, this is going to be one of those overview episodes because originally, you know, when I, I, I reached out to Eric, I'm like, Hey, credence. Yeah. Uh, there's, yeah. you know, two, I get, you know, two albums. Let's kind of, let's kind of circle around the, these two particular albums. Uh, and he's like, yeah. And then I'm kind of looking at, it. I'm like, yeah, you know what? There's a, there's a story here that we, you know, there's an overarching story about this band and mm -hmm. a couple of different threads. Uh, some of them are really not good. So we're going to get into that too. Uh, it's actually one of the worst stories in mm. rock and roll. Probably it's one of the most horrible stories, but uh, don't let the music betray that. So we're, so the band we're talking about is Creedence Clearwater Revival. They were active only for four years. You got to, you're going to have to keep this in mind. This is going to be a very important stat. Yeah. They were active for four years, 1968 to 1972. They were formed at El Cerrito, California. So they are, are another important thing. They are a California band. Okay. Uh, they've sold over 28 million records. Their greatest hits uh, compilation called Chronicle came out in 1976. It's 10 times platinum and it's still on the charts now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're looking for, if you're going to come away with this episode and say, well, what should I do? Where should I start? Just Chronicle is available on Spotify and streaming. Uh, so just find Chronicle and it'll, it'll give you, you know, that's where I started actually. Oh, sure. Uh, was with the Chronicle. Only thing, that's the only thing I ever yeah. had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, before, you know. yeah. Before that, it was just kind of like that. That gives you the overview and it gives you a really good jumping off point. Mm -hmm. uh, they had 14 consecutive top 10 singles. And a few of those were double A sides. Mm. So, for instance, like uh, Down on the Corner was a top 10 single. The other, the flip side of it was Fortunate Son. So that's a double A side. Yeah. Uh, looking out my back door with Long as I Can See the Light. Uh, another double A side. So they, they were um, pretty, pretty prolific here. Um, but oddly enough, they never hit number one. Crazy. They never. So with all those 14 consecutive top 10 singles and some were double A sides, they never hit number one, but they had five number twos. Oh. Five times they hit number two and could not, could not get that one. <laughs> wow. Could not put, could not push through. To the end, which is crazy, crazy. Yeah. Another incredible stat: five consecutive top ten albums. Two of those hit number one, which was the two that we might we were talking about doing: Green River and Cosmos Factory. Um, you're saying, well, and then if you go back to the original stat of well, they were active 1968 to 1972. How did they have five consecutive top ten albums? <laughs> well, insane. because well, they released they really in four years they released seven studio albums not compilations and from 1968 to 1972 they released seven fucking albums <laughs> that's crazy yeah i've, I've never heard of a band it. that prolific that is that is the epitome three albums in 69 alone that's yeah. just insane yeah is that is that is that nuts or what yeah i'll say Four four years. Sometimes a band gets one album out in four years, maybe two if it's popular. Right. Seven albums, no compilations, no live albums. These were seven studio albums they did in four years. Mm -hmm. So that that kind of uh, that Busy leads boys. you, yep. yeah, it, it leads you back to the fourteen consecutive top ten singles. This is what you call a working, a very prolific and working band. Mm -hmm. Um, 
this is, and, and there were 19, uh, 1993 Hall of Fame inductees. So that kind of rounds out the stats that we're going to give. Um, that kind of tells you a little bit about the story of Credence is four years, seven albums. Um, there's not a, you're not going to see a lot of uh, growth, meaning like when you look at the discography, you know, you could take seven albums by any other band and you'd probably see a change. You could take right. seven, you could take, you could take Led Zeppelin was what? Nine albums, eight albums, nine albums. Mm-hmm. You could see the change. You could take, yes, you could take Pink Floyd. You could take Fleetwood. You could take any band, seven albums. You're going to see something, but with, with because they, this was in such a compressed time frame, they're just bang it, like banging them out, banging out hit after hit after hit after hit. So the, you know, they had a formula that they stuck to, which worked, which also led to led to some problems. So uh, just who is Creedence Clearwater Revival? You've got John Fogarty on lead vocals and guitar, his brother Tom Fogarty on guitar, Doug Clifford on drums, Stu Cook on bass. Uh, and these guys in one in one form or another had been kicking around since 1959. They were the Blue Velvets from 59 to 64. Yeah. The they golly were the Gollywogs from 64 <laughs> to 67. Yep. Um, and then they finally got signed by Fantasy Records. And they, uh, you know, they they were not thrilled with the Gollywogs name anyway. So they, they took the opportunity to name themselves Credence Clearwater Revival. And what that means, uh, Credence, they had a friend whose first name was Credence. Clearwater was taken from uh, Olympia beer at, at the time in the sixties. Uh, I guess their ad was like, we make our beer with clear water. Um, and then revival was them rededicating themselves to the project and rededicating themselves to the music. So hence you have Credence Clearwater revival. Um, it interesting. Absolutely blows my mind that they came from California. Why? Let me, let me, so, so here we go. Here we go. You're, you're leading us right in. So yeah. why, why, why did I, that's why I made such a big deal about it. So why do you not believe that these guys are from El Cerrito, California, which is Northern. That's like near San Francisco. Right. So that's not even Southern California. <laughs> it's not even LA. This is like Northern California or middle California. Go ahead. This music is so steeped in, in blues and, and blues rock and swampy. And you, you would think that they're from, they hail from Florida or perhaps the Carolinas, or, you know... Alabama, yeah, Louisiana. Alabama. That's right. That's right. And, wow. They wear, they, wear the pla- they wear the plaid shirts. They dress like farmers. Yeah. Um, and you, would, you hit, would, you hit the nail right on the head. It was, they, you, you could not peg a more deceptive, you know, sound. Yeah. I mean, you know, like a sound that, that just, hail, you know, is regional. I mean, we're, we're talking yeah. regional here. This yeah. isn't just, you know, like, oh, we're just pretend, you know, they literally do sound. I mean, you know, John Fogarty's voice, even it's like, you know, you, you would think that he has that, you know, that accent, you know, going on in, in, in every song almost. It's just, you know. Yeah. Especially if you, if you look at 1968, what was happening in California? The Doors, the Dead, Jefferson yeah. Airplane. You had the psychedelic revolution going That's on. Right. And here comes yeah. this, this band from Northern California with, you said it, this, this is some of the, the labels that have been ascribed to them roots rock swamp yep. rock southern rock yeah um and and yeah if you go through their if you look at their discography there are a lot of traditional blues and blues rhythm covers. and blues so- yep. and rhythm and blues covers that they do That's as well right. yep. i put a spell on you Susie q yep. um little ray know, charles a little yeah yeah, yeah. ooby dooby and then they Ooby-dooby. do hello mary lou from like rick nelson as well <laughs> yeah uh, the very this band was very adept at at covers, mm-hmm. um, and making them their own. So much so, right that that I heard like I first 
When I first heard, I heard it through the grapevine. I thought it was them. Yeah. I thought they wrote it. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't as aware of the Marvin Gaye version. I was aware of like the, the, the Credence version, you know, because right. yeah. they, they made it their own, you know, um, to that point, they wrote, they are the, John Fogarty wrote proud Mary, which is the most covered song, which Tina Turner made her own. And, and we just, you know, as of the, the recording of this episode, we just lost Tina Turner a week ago. Yeah. Uh, and proud Mary was like her calling card. That's right. Like that's her yeah. rave up song. I mean, that thing, you know, you look at, at footage from, from back in the sixties when she do Ed Sullivan or those shows, uh, you know, that was just a, a they, you know, call her Tina, the, the burner Turner because a that, decidedly much different yeah. version. Yes. Much, you know, like her version is just the horns and they kick in and it's just, you know, it, it yeah. Yeah. yeah but, she just uh, took it, took, took it to a whole nother level. And then yeah. of course our, our good friend, Mr. Leonard Nimoy also did a cover of proud Mary. <laughs> <laughs> he did. I know. I know. <laughs> Big wheels keep on oh, toying. <laughs> proud Mary keep on boining. He really put the accent. He's still on the high from, you I don't know, know what, about the hobbits and, you know, yeah. the ballad of Bilbo Baggins. So, so they, they you know, Credence really, what was a band that uh, it, for me, you, it's, I'm going to take one of your terms, right? For me, this is like comfort food, like Credence. I can listen to any song by Credence. I can listen to anything, even yeah. the non hits. And it's mm -hmm. just comfortable. They're, they're just, John Fogarty was wrote everything until a certain point that what, that wasn't a cover. Mm -hmm. um, he just so adept at, at that, getting that feeling, right. That, you know, look right. like, that's like songs like looking out my back door has that kind of like, country bakersfield california feel like the you know he mentions but he name checks buck owens in it and it kind of has that feel to it that kind of country-ish yeah there's, thing. There's like sitting on a that. sitting on a porch relaxing on a hot day i would i would argue that they're they're very americana i mean they kind of they there are hints of little things like you just said you know there's country in there um kind of woven through you know some of the music but would you would you say that this could be they could be a, a gateway band to that form of music if you're just heading into like you're if you're interested in, in learning about blues and you know things like that i would i would you know argue that this band you know because they do it so well it, it you I, know, I think this so could be a really nice introduction to that kind of form of music and it would yeah, of course, they, they meld it so well for, that's yeah. right yeah. yeah you're right you're you're absolutely right they meld they meld the genre so well so they'll do something greasy and dirty like Suzy Q and, and yeah. really kind of, and that'll be like a long song. Like a, it's, it's like a, it's like a yep. you know kind of whole thing. Um, and then they have got these short, short little things like down on the corner with, you know, where, you know, they, they're able to really kind of grab into, into genres like pop and, mm -hmm. and kind of give you something quick and in and out, but then not forgetting their roots, you know, and going to, I put a spell on you and, and before yeah. you before you accuse me, I mean, they really go they go deep into that bag mm -hmm. of some of that stuff, but also uh, inter intersperse it with John Fogarty's great. Uh, he really had his finger on the pulse of something different in the '60s, and and that's what made Creedence so unique as well. I think is that they weren't doing anything psychedelic. You know, they they were yeah. there was you, you said it, it was like Americana or American. Very just roots, kind of quote unquote American music, like what, like yeah. this is what it was. It was just kind of yep, straight ahead rock and roll. You know, songs like "Traveling Band" that they had, "Fortunate Son," which became like a Vietnam era anthem. Yeah, that's uh, right. you know, mm -hmm. anti-war anthem. Uh, so that kind of helped put them 
on the map as well with that. And then they've got the most they've got the most up upbeat song about the most depressing thing, Bad Moon Rising. You know, hope you've <laughs> yeah. got your things together. Hope you're quite prepared to die. <laughs> but it is it is but it is the happiest song ever about like Holocaust and, and like the world ending. And yeah. you don't even realize it. It's so catchy, Bad Moon Rising. Yeah, it's very prophetic. It's very like he's it's looking awful. at something. <laughs> it is all it is awful, right? It really is. I see hurricanes and lightning. I see bad time today. You oh, know. that that entire I, that's you know, when you asked me like, did you want to do either one of those albums? And I and yeah. I and I had heard of course, you know, I, I like them both. Yeah. Uh that's Cosmos Factory and Green River. I I mean I, I if I would have probably chosen Green River, be, yeah. being that there's probably there's less hits on it. Uh but those but I you know, that album to me speaks to like late September like October, like the fall, like a lot yeah. of the songs reflect that sort of that time of year and bad yep. rising of course on that is on there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, you know, <laughs> you're right. It, it is <laughs> decidedly. It's weird. Yeah. Different. It's like, yeah. you know, yeah, but I, Hor- yeah. horrible things, but it's okay. You're tapping your toes. Like, yeah, hope you are quite prepared to die. I'm like, what? Wait, <laughs> we're in some nasty weather. <laughs> One yeah, eye is taken for an eye. Really, like he really kind of fools you. You know, he's like, "Yeah, yeah. Bad Moon Rising." It's like, no, this yeah, is I really mean, a terrific, song a terrific songwriter, John Fogerty. Yeah, he, you know, he really was. Yeah, <clears throat> and and, really and that's where the where where they kind of that became their uh, how they were going to proceed. You know, they they had gotten signed to Fantasy Records. They had got kind of gotten a little bit of a of a go. And John Fogerty went to everybody and said, "Listen, I we were all working in a gas station." And he said, I don't want, I don't know about you, but I don't want to work in a gas station again. He goes, so yeah. we need to, we, I, you know, he basically kind of uh, from the beginning asserted control of the band said, listen, I, I'm going to, I'm going to write everything. I'll pretty much. And he pretty much did almost everything short of playing the, the, you know, he did everything, but play the instruments that the other guys did. And his brother, Tom was in the band too. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just asserted just total control. He goes, we, you know, we need, we, you know, we, we can't blow this basically. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just gonna, well, I'll take it from here. Was well, he right? Hence the, <laughs> he was, he was, seven I mean, albums he, did, you know, <clears throat> seven, seven that, albums is that's just a incredible, lot of creativity but, right there. That's just a lot of, that's a lot, right? That's, that's a burst of creativity that you don't see, uh, especially I, I, from, from essentially one person. This was not a group, you know, it wasn't like everybody had different songs on the albums. If it wasn't I a cover, wonder it was Fogarty. How many songs were written? Uh, you know, how many, how many how many of these songs that he had, you know, written before even the first album? I mean, how many did you know? Were they yeah, he probably they probably had Gollywog. They've been around since fifty nine, so I'm sure oh, they I'm had. Sure, they probably had and, you know parts and yeah. different maybe different sure. variations of the songs. Yeah. Uh, you know, it had to be that way. I mean, yeah, I I'm can't sure. Imagine there was him just stepping into just another writing stint. That's just a lot for anyone. You know, um, it, it is. I, I, yeah, I would get. I would, you would guess have to lock way. yourself away for quite a long time to get these songs, these this many songs <sighs> written. You know, and then unless he's just that good. I oh, mean, I'm I'm sure they had. I'm sure they there was stuff from the Gollywogs. I'm sure that they had stuff that. Yeah. Probably so. You know, probably they probably knew what probably covers a lot they of were the good covers. At. Yeah. Yeah. They probably said we know what we're good at. Well, let's get these down on tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably had some of the originals as well, but I don't think he had seven albums worth of stuff sitting around. I mean, there was, you know, I'm sure there was some material that, that they reworked, but he also was just blasting. Yeah. This is just almost a, a diarrhea for lack of a better term of, of creativity. <laughs> no. And I mean, that, I mean that, I mean that in a disgusting way. I mean, this, no, I, just, yeah, 
I know. Yeah. <laughs> I've, ne- I've never heard of an, I've never heard of a group. I think Chicago might've been the only uh, group that was came close, right? They put out like four double albums in a row, True, but they didn't, they didn't do seven in four years. Right. Yeah. Not even the, the Beatles. Be- the Beatles, the Beatles didn't do that. Uh, you know, not counting the compilations that Capitol did studio right. albums, maybe twice, maybe two in a year they might've accomplished, but then it slowed down to pretty much one a year. Even the doors, I think did two in one year. Right. But seven, seven in four years is, is a pace that is breakneck speed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's probably became part, part of the problem, too, is um, they, they signed, a, like I said at the beginning, they signed a deal with Fantasy Records owned by Saul Zance. Um, movie lovers might know Saul Zance as a producer. He produced One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Uh, he produced uh, Amadeus. So he's a, you know, very uh, savvy businessman. But. Uh, John Fogarty to his, uh, uh, I guess, handicap signed a horrible deal. He didn't know what mm-hmm. he was doing. He signed, he signed everything away. He signed all the rights away to the, to the songs. He didn't know what he was doing. They just wanted, they wanted that deal. Mm-hmm. So he basically signed away the, the fortunes of, of the band at that point to, but literally made a deal with the devil to, to get, to, to get where they were going. Um, and Probably that's where the acrimony probably started with Credence, you know, because um, in 71, his brother Tom leaves um, just because of John's grip on the band. John's grip was getting tighter and tighter and more demanding. And Tom Froggy, his own brother, says, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. And that that last that, that album he left was was Pendulum. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so then mm-hmm. after that, in 72, the other two. So he's left. So uh, Doug, Stu Cook and Doug Clifford are left and like, hey, you know, uh, you know, we want uh, we want to start writing, too. It's not fair. You know, it's not really democratic and, and, you know, give us a shot too. And John Fogarty, they, they, the, their, their, their final album was called Mardi Gras. And some people call it John Fogarty's revenge, <laughs> but he yeah. was a real prick. He said to them, you, you guys are going to responsible for each writing like two songs and I'll write two songs. He goes, but I'm not going to help you with it. He goes, I'll pl- I'll play guitar and that's it. You want to write your own stuff? You do it. Wow. And said, I'm just, you know, whatever guitar you need, I'll play. But that's it. That's all you're getting from me. Like almost like, oh, you, you want it. So here you go. Yeah. And, and Mardi Gras was like, they're, you know, really tanked. So if you want to take that out of the discography, the six albums and even their first album didn't have anything big on it. There was really like five albums that were the meat and potato. Mm -hmm. So by 72, you know, Creed Credence was done. Just because of Fogarty's, just you know, control. But but we we've, yeah. we've talked about we've talked about uh, power struggles within bands before. He said it from the beginning, though. He didn't. This wasn't like an internal late late in the game thing. He, from the beginning, he said, "This is how it's got to be," you know. And he was right, you know. In this mm-hmm. case, he was right. It's just, you know, didn't go about it the right way or. It could probably, I got a little, again, you, you said seven albums in four years. I'm sure that can be intense, uh, an intense yeah. amount of output also without any break. True. Yeah. Cause you're, I mean, cause you're, you're touring, talking, on, you're touring on top of that too. Didn't seem like there was a whole lot of like a collaboration spirit going on, you know, yeah. just sort of like in there, the band having, you know, in having more input, him agreeing to that was probably not the thing. Yeah. Just said, you know, because it was so fast and so quick and we had to, you know, we got to get this done and, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. And I think, I think he said actually like, it, like it's, when it's they first started, situation. Re- no, no. And I think, I think he said like when they first started recording, like though they would do the backing vocals and he goes, you guys are, hor- they're horrible. 
He goes, I need to do it myself because otherwise it's not going to be right. Like <laughs> that's kind of wow. a bit, a bitter, a bitter pill to swallow. I think a little bit when you're being told, you know, you guys just I'll say aren't good. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll do it myself. So, but, but again, he was yeah. right. You know, we, we got down on the corner, we got bed moon rising. We got, you know, uh, whole stop the rain. As yeah. long as I can see the light Lodi, which is one of my favorite Lodi is like a, a minor hit. And I, I just absolutely <laughs> love, I love, I love Lodi, but you know, proud Mary looking out my back door, green river, Susie Q up around the bend. Uh, have you ever seen the rain sweet hitchhiker? There's so many songs he gave, uh, rock and roll in such a short time. Um, mm-hmm. but it flamed out. That's, that's the, that's the, the tragedy here. Um, and then they try and try and get, you know, kind of, they got together, I think in 1980 for, for a wedding, uh, you know, played a personal thing, but, mm-hmm. um, just didn't John, John Fogarty was trying to, you know, at that point in 72, he was done with fantasy records. You know, I want nothing to do with you people. You're awful. Mm-hmm. And he still owed them like a ton, ton more of records. He actually had to sign a worse deal to get out of his contract. So he basically signed everything away. He owned, he owned nothing, you know? And he said one day that in, in the eighties, he saw, I forgot what song they were using in a Levi's commercial, Levi's blue jeans. And he yeah. publicly said, he goes, this is, you know, I hate this. I hate what they're doing. And Levi's, to their credit, they're like, oh, they're like, we bought the rights to the song. We didn't know that you didn't own it. And if you don't like it, we're going to take, we're not going to use it. So they actually like stopped using, I forget what song it was, but they stopped using the song because Fogarty said something, even though Fogarty didn't own the rights anymore. Huh. But they were that sensitive to the arts. Like, oh my God, we didn't know that you didn't, you didn't own oh, them. So their, we, you know, their, their music has been in tons of movies. Everything. You know, yeah. Over, yeah, pretty much, you know. Yeah. And he refused to play. He so when he resurfaced in the eighties with with his with solo album Center Field, mm-hmm. he refused. He would not play. He would not. He's. I'm not paying. I'm not giving these guys money. I'm not m- m- letting him make money. Yeah, I'm not paying him. And, and a lot of people, I think Bob Dylan and a couple other people, had to convince him. Like, dude, you got to play this stuff. Like, this is your wh- whether you're going to make money on it or not. This is your legacy. Yeah, you know, you have to play this stuff. Um. And then the, the the tragedy continued because in 1990, his brother Tom would die. Uh, he got AIDS from a blood transfusion, actually. He was getting a back surgery or something. He got a blood transfusion. He, he got AIDS from the blood. And they they never reconciled, really. They never got a chance to reconcile. So it was that bitter, that bitter Oh, feud. really? That's that's a shame. That's yeah, never reconciled. And then in 1993, for, you know, Credence gets inducted. And the, the three remaining members of there, Fogart is like, I'm not going up on stage with those two guys. So, so, so Fogarty plays, he goes up on stage to play with like Bruce Springsteen, you know, all-star, all-star things. And, and Doug Clifford and Stu, Stu Cook get up and leave Wow! at that point. They, they get up and they leave. That's it's a that, sad, it was that sad bad. story. Yeah. This is the, probably the sad, the saddest story because such a great band and made such great music that mm-hmm. um, time, time and, and. Then, then Stu, Stu Cook and, and Doug Clifford came, you know, formed a band called uh, Credence Clearwater Revisited. They're so like, well, we're going to go out and we're going to play the songs that we, you know, we're going to play those songs. We'll get a singer and, and Fogarty yeah. sued, sued to stop that. And he lost. He's like, no, you, can, you, guys can, you guys can do that. Um, and then, you know, they're like, we'll never play with Fogarty. We'll never play with Fogarty. 
And then in, in the past couple of years, Fogarty's like, well, you know what? Never say never. And these guys are like, forget it. You, sh- you know, you're like 25 years too late, my friend. Yeah. Go well, good. Good on them. You know? You know? So it's, 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 oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's so heartbreaking, you know, like. It is. It really is. Yeah. There's no reason they're, they're still, al- you know, they're still alive. They're still, you know, but that acrimony from like, we're talking what we're talking 51 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 1972 and it was just that it was what's that the point bad. of even having of creating a band if you're not going to be a band you know that that's that's what gets well, me well some like, i mean some people are, are perfectly fine in that role right some people are perfectly fine being the drummer and you tell me what to play and i'm happy i i want a tour i'm out you know like I, i'm okay with that right you you mm-hmm. know you look at tom petty and the heartbreakers or, or you look at some of those other bands right that have members that that are perfectly fine with someone else taking the spotlight i'm happy to be on stage i'm happy to play i'm happy to gig Happy yeah. to do all that stuff, but, but yeah, I think Fogarty kind of, you know, was like, well, you're, you're question almost like you're questioning me, you know, and he did have the track record to back it up. Yeah. He had the hits, you know, so it, that's why they said Mardi Gras was like Fogarty's revenge. Cause he's like, go ahead and do it. See if you can do it. <clears throat> and the stuff wasn't horrible. It just wasn't, you know, and Fogarty's stuff was good. He had like three songs on there and it was good stuff, but, um, but yeah, just not, not the same. And it just, Center field. I remember uh, you played the hell out of that album when you first. You mean this album? It. That that album right there. There it is. Uh, yeah, you. That was nonstop. That was a staple. Yeah. Oh yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And the funny and thing he about that everything album, on that record, didn't he? Did he not? He was. He did it all. Yeah. Yeah. He he did it all. And this this album got him in trouble. Uh, this album got him in trouble as well for a couple of reasons. Um. He the the first cut is the uh, old man down the road, which was the first single from the album. Mm-hmm. It's you know down 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 yeah yeah yeah. Uh, Saul Zance, who owns the Credence Clearwater Revival catalog, says, "You know what? That sounds a lot like Run Through the Jungle, which I own." He goes, "You might have written it, but I own it." And uh, it went to court, and the judge is <sighs> like, "You can't." Judge is like, "You can't plagiarize yourself." <laughs> yeah right so even, though, even you know john fogarty even if somebody even though, wow. even though somebody else wrote even though somebody else owns the rights to the music the person that wrote it can't really plagiarize yourself yeah you know, so, yeah, so that makes fogarty, a lot of sense yeah <laughs> so, sense. so so fogarty actually won but then what happened on this album on on the original version which i'm going to show you guys the, the the very last track Let's see if we can get it in focus for for you watching on YouTube. You're getting a bonus. It's called Zans Dance, can't, can't Dance. There it is. And that is a, that is a di- that is a direct shot at Saul Zans. Uh, th- this the the lyrics. The guy's a pig. He's a thief. He takes all your money. It it is not veiled. This is not a veiled shot at Saul Zans. So Saul Zans sues uh, John Fogerty over the song Zans Can't Dance, which is obviously about him. It's not a not so subtle swipe mm. at him because it's got his name in it and about. Oh, he's a pig and he's an awful person. He thinks all your money, um, yeah. which, like is, which most is movie not, producers are, well, well, which most of them are. Yeah. So, so did you say that out loud? Well, Soul Zans, I think is gone. So that, so there it is. It's called Zans can't dance. So, so John Fogarty gets sued for defamation. And then what we get is a re-recorded song called Vans dance can't dance. Can't yep. dance. Okay. Uh, and they settled out of court for that case. So a very interesting, you know, John Fogarty kind of got put a little bit in his place. He he won his uh, plagiarism suit, but then uh, on center field, he really took a not so veiled swipe at Saul's aunt. That's, a, um, that's amazing. These stories yeah. are just. Yeah. And then the, I think in the mid, mid two thousands, 
uh, Saul Zance left fantasy. He sold fantasy records mm-hmm. and like, and like the next day, John Fogarty signs with, with fantasy records. <laughs> he did. Wow. He signed, he signed with fantasy records. Uh, and then I don't know what the, what the wrangling was, but he did get all of the rights. He got all of his songs back. Nice. Okay. So there's a, ha- there's a happy ending there, but, um, but unfortunately there's a lot of heartache that they had, to, you know, a lot of trials and tribulations. So. Some casualties um, there as far yeah. as is concerned, which is a shame. Yeah. Really but, is, yeah. but what, what getting back to credence, you know, and, and that just, you know, we'll put that, that story away because it's just so horrible. Um, what are some, what are some of the, the favorites that you have? What, what are some of the favorite credence? Oh my goodness. I mean, I'm looking at, uh, I'm just looking at right now. I'm looking at green river. Sinister yeah. purpose. I love. Oh, oh, why did you say that? <laughs> son of a love. bitch. <laughs> son of a bitch. I love their, their, I didn't think, of... it, I didn't think anybody else knew that song, but me and I wrote, I was like, Oh, here's, I'm going to give you a deep cut and it's called sinister uh, purpose. Yeah. It what is, the that, fuck? That's an amazing song. Yeah. Oh, it's so, it's so like, Oh, like, wrote a song for everyone. I love is well. yep. it's another great one. Uh, I love, I love his, the Ray Charles cover the nighttime. Is the right time, even yep. though the you know, the backing vocals are a little sus suspect there, but <laughs> wonky. But I could take it, you know. That's that's cool. Um, yeah, man. I mean, they're just. I mean, but like you yeah. said, I mean, we had the Chronicle. I mean, I that I yeah, did that a lot. You know that. Yeah. Was just, you know, because they were just such a. They had a, a sort of. There's like an innocence to them. <laughs> They were, or, they were a formidable band. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I would, I would, I would say that as, as far back as I can remember, these songs got a lot of airplay on the oh, radio. Yeah. They were just, you know, still do. They're still staples. You would think that they had been together for much, much longer. Yeah. Than that, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, like I said, and then of course you go to see any every other movie had a Creedence song in it. Yeah, Forrest Gump, yeah. and you know, yeah. any type of Vietnam Earth thing. Werewolf in London. <laughs> yeah, Bad Rising. Rising. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, they I, were just I was, that they were on the map as far as that, you know, the popularity, the, you know, hmm. just the, the sort of the, the, they wrote their own story in the Americana songbook, you know, that, that just to me is, and it's yeah, amazing. Pr- Proud Mary alone. I mean, mo- most yeah. bands would kill just to have Proud Mary. Yep. You know, what, what one of the most, not only it's obviously their most covered song, but it's one of the most covered songs of all time. I mean, uh, everybody was doing a version of that song. Mm-hmm. And it's just so just to have to have that is is just amazing in and of itself. Um, I can't believe I can't believe you fucking said sinister purpose. I cannot believe that. <laughs> I, Why? Because no, I'm like how you know I I had that in my pocket. I'm like, oh, I know the album. I, I'm, I'm I know, well, but I'm well acquainted with it. I'm just not. But, uh, you know. I'm glad, no, I'm glad that that it hit you like that. You know, here's that, the thing. With bands like this, here's the thing. It's like, you know, you get these great compilations. You get, you know, those are the things that you start with. Yeah. And then, you know, over time you realize that, and I obviously didn't have a lot of, the, I didn't have their full records, you know, just, yeah. you know, but band like, but like bands like the zombies, like the guess who the rascals, you know, bands of that ill, like uh, loving spoonful, you know, they all made like several albums and, and only a few had the hits, you know? Yeah. So you were just kind of like, this one has three hits on it. That one only has two. You yeah. want it all to be together. So there's a lot of that, you know, going on. Like when you first get into music, you just want it all. Like you want yeah. the whole package. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? So you got to get that album. Now I got to get that album. And it's like, you know, but then some of the songs aren't as good. Um, but, and Credence is, you know, but I would argue that their, their deep cuts are just as strong. You know, yeah. As, as I was going to say that the, the good thing about Credence is you can yeah. get one of their, one of their middle five, any one of their middle five albums, you know, yeah. ch chop off the first and the last one. And you're going to know a lot of the songs and then the other stuff is just as accessible. So it's not like, like we said with other bands, they don't go off into strange territories and try different things there. You know, you've got yeah. the traditional stuff in there. You got the rhythm and blues, and then you have their stuff that melt. You know what it is? Their stuff melds so well mm -hmm. with the stuff that they're doing. So it doesn't, when they do covers, it doesn't sound like they're doing covers because their stuff has a similar vibe right. to it. Although, even though it's not that traditional sounding per se, or some of them are, mm -hmm. um, like Run Through the Jungle and some of the, you know, like they, they do some of that stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it really does. Exactly. The, these albums flow and it's like, oh, the, the covers don't stick out like, oh, they're doing a cover now. This is a updated version of this song. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, no, their, their stuff just kind of, it all just kind of melds together. Um, so when you're listening to it, it's like one experience that you don't get taken out of because the covers sound out of place. It's like their mm -hmm. other stuff matches it. It's not like Guns N' Roses doing Live and Let Die. It's like, okay, you can tell they're, yeah. you know, that's something different. That's like out of the, you know? out of the pocket, yeah. like kind of thing. Exactly. But they're doing it, but you're, you're getting taken out because well, you know that they're, what it, what it is. Well, that in itself is, I, I, I would say that, <clears throat> there are several artists who know how to pick the, just the right songs to fit yeah. that, that, that grouping, you know, like I, I can think of, you know, like what Clapton did on Layla, like he picked sure. all the right, all the right uh, covers to do. Like, have you ever loved a woman? And, you know, uh, yeah. And stuff like, you know, like, you know, the only song that really kind of stood out was little wing, which Dwayne Allman wanted to do. Mm -hmm. You know, just in because Jimi Hendrix had just died, so they just wanted to pay tribute to you. So that was probably the song that stood out the most. But yeah, but certain artists know how to do that. And I, I, I that's not, I don't, I wouldn't, I would think that's probably not the easiest thing to do. Mm -hmm. Here we have a certain sound going on. What, what songs would really, what can we put in there to kind of, or, or are they building that sound around those covers? Yeah. You know, what, which, which way are they going here? You know, so it's interesting to, you know, to see or to know exactly what's going on inside their head. Yeah, in that process, you know, so, yeah, so. Yeah, like I said, it's probably some st stuff that they had always been doing. So it's kind of like, right, uh, much like the doors, the covers that they did was stuff that they would had been performing mm -hmm. live already. So it was just natural to, oh, hey, okay, we've got this stuff we can do and we'll kind of, uh, we'll kind of fill out the album with it. Also, right. uh, CCR, Credence, played at Woodstock. Um, yes. uh, oddly enough, and a lot of people are surprised about it because they're not on the, they're not on the soundtrack. Uh, because, because Fogarty, John Fogarty was like, I, I, you know, he thought, he thought their performance was subpar and they also had the, uh, dubious, pl uh, pleasure of following the Grateful Dead who played for oh, hours goodness. and hours. And John Fogarty said, by the time we got on stage, everybody was asleep. Goodness. Like all the, all the audience, everyone was, you know, cause they'd played for so long through the night that by the time we actually took the stage, yeah, they, you know, there was just bodies sign on. If I'm yeah. not mistaken, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and was, yeah. he said there was just bodies all over the all over the place, just laying laying around. You know, so so he, he kind of wasn't happy with it. So it's odd that you know you you hear about Woodstock, but Credence kind of, uh, yeah. He said, nah, our our set wasn't that great to begin with, and you know we mm -hmm. just we went on. And it was like so late at night or so early in the morning that people were sleeping, and wow. uh, you know, so you could tell he's definitely he's definitely. I don't know if he's a perfectionist. I think he's got a certain point of view. 
or a certain way he wants to do things. I don't think he's, a, he's not a perfectionist like a Brian Wilson. I think he's a guy that knows what needs to get done and will do it. And unfortunately he's not afraid to step on some toes to get it right, done. Cause you certainly couldn't say that about the music I and mean, it's very, it can be yeah. very dirty. Yeah. It's not, it's you know, not uh, it's always it's, perfect, you know, but it, that, that's, that's what makes it good though. It's like, yeah, there's not deep arrangements or anything. There's not right. experimental choices yeah. there. It, it's, it's in your face. You understand what you're listening to, but it's so it's raw. It's damn yeah. catchy. Yep. It's so damn good. That, that that's right. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you could forgive him, you know, forgive him, but well, you need to take the art from the artist, you know, and yes, we say know. that a lot. Some, you know, yes, sometimes you say that a lot. Yes, we do. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes these, these situations aren't good or some of these people aren't right. so nice, but what they give, uh, that's gotta be, that's gotta be a certain side to them, right? That's gotta be an yeah. aspect of their personality. Um, I suppose you have to be a little bit of a, a prick sometimes to get the, you know, to get the focus, to get the work done that, you know, these songs wouldn't be what they are if they weren't. But on the other hand, yeah. there's also, there is something to be said of treating, I don't know, People. who knows? I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows if the band was, you know, they were belligerent at the time. We we don't really know. We're not in the yeah. room with them. We don't know what really went down. We were only you know, commenting on what people have written over the years. And, and that's what we um, do. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do. But that's the thing though. It's like, we never really know what the yeah. reasons are, but you know what I mean? So it's, we yeah, can't you gotta really, take, you gotta take it in its totality. Really crucify these, these no, guys too much. You that's know, what so. I'm trying. I'm trying not, right. I'm trying to try not to, but I'm also trying to see the other side of, uh, you know, these, these other band members wanted some more, creativity but in the beginning like i said not to to beat it into the ground but in the beginning it was made clear that this is how it was going to be so it, mm. it wasn't much of a surprise but it shouldn't have been surprising that they wanted to expand yeah uh on their own but fogarty was was single-minded in his determination uh to drive forward and drive this project through because he was yeah we, we're, i'm not well, going i think he a lot of time he was thinking like a producer i, I think it, obviously because he probably yeah. didn't see that in them you know, yeah. So prove me, he, prove he, me wrong. Yeah. Situation, no. and I, they obviously couldn't. So you he know. was, he was, he was like De Niro in Heat. I'm yeah. never going back. I'm never going back. Right? <laughs> he wasn't going back to being a regular, like a regular job yeah. type thing. It was like this, you know. Yeah. So I think that might have been the driving force too. Of you know, we got it. We have to succeed. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have a. Cho there's no choice for us but to succeed because uh, the alternative is not acceptable. So I'm going to take control. I'm going to, I'm going to see this thing through and you guys, you know, we're all, we're a part of it, but I'm going to be a larger part. I'll do, I'll do the heavy lifting. You know, I'm going to do it because it's what, it's what needs, it's what needs to get done and it's the best way to do it. Um, and yeah, like I said, he was, he was absolutely right. So for me, I'm, I'm going to give you, you, you took sinister purpose. So we'll call that a tie, which is good. Uh, I said earlier, Lodi, I just love Lodi. It's just kind of yeah. a, it's kind of a, a meandering kind of, uh, you know, on the road type song, like a drifter, got, you know, thing. I, I think that's when, you know, they're, they're at their best. Um, and then a deep cut is Molina, mm -hmm. which I think Molina is on Chronicle, but Molina I like. Um, and then long as I can see the light. Yeah. Great. Song. Great vocals. Got the saxophone again, a different yeah. kind of a different, uh, more of a jazzy, more soulful take. But Fogarty, you know, Fogarty's vocals, we didn't really talk about that. He could, he can handle it. He could wail. He could, he's got that, rah, you know, like that, that yeah. kind of, yeah. that kind of thing. He could do the scratchy stuff like traveling band. 
Um, he really, he was really adept at, 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 at putting himself into those covers and making them authentic Creating and, and not trying, and not trying to using his strengths, but not trying to change them into something else. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that's why it blended so well because his other stuff, he could sing tender stuff. He could sing ballady stuff and he could go with the up tempo with the best of them and, and, and get dirty and grungy, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. which, which, which to, again, to his credit, um, the guy had tools and he knew, and he knew how to use them. Yeah. And, and that's what we got. Tools well, over time, yeah. you know, it's too bad. The rest of the band couldn't keep up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> wow. Holy but, shit. I don't know. I mean, like, but that's obviously, <laughs> they you know, keep what, up. <laughs> what he thought. Right. I mean, we said it, you know, but well, he just uh, didn't want to give out, he didn't want to give out any, and you know, he didn't want to cede any of that control over. He's like, what, you know, this was a case of it ain't broke. Don't fix it. So why would we, mm-hmm. Um, but sure, you want to do it? Sure, do it. You're going to do it without me, though. Good. Yeah. You want to, you know, you want to write your, you want to do it? Go ahead. I dare you. And that's, that was their unfortunate legacy would be that final album. And then, and then Fogarty would go dark. He would put a solo album out right after, I think, called John Fogarty and the Blue Ridge Rangers. Then he would go dark until what, 85, until center field. And then he would kind of come back into the public consciousness again. People were waiting for him. They were waiting to, you know, John Fogarty came back and, and again, but he wasn't playing his hits until he really got, he, got the screws put to him by some of his musical pals. I think Dylan or somebody else mm-hmm. um, said, you got to do it. You know, you got to do it. And then he did. And now he tours incessantly. He's like tours like year, year round. His children are, are part of his band. His children are really great musicians. They have a daughter and a son uh, that, are, that are in the band as well. And they're, they're pretty good. So uh, all is well, you know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those, uh, one of those great bands, like we said, that, that didn't change, didn't change music because of, there's because they changed their sound, right? The Beatles changed music just because of their innovations and the way they changed mm-hmm. things. Uh, Credence changed music because they didn't change because they right. just well, stayed. They, so pro- they, yeah, they just stayed so prolific, right? Their mm-hmm. output of material was so consistent and so great that that's what gave people four years worth of, of, of just hit after hit after hit after hit that you don't know what the hell you, your head. I can't imagine your head must've been spinning in those four years from the output that they were, that they were just achieving. Yeah. You know, and like I said, all, didn't they just put something out? What? Another yeah. album? <laughs> like almost like, yeah, like, 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 you know what? Just think of the singles. You probably, you probably can't even keep track of the albums that they were on because you just keep putting out singles. No, that's number right. two, number yeah. two, number two, number three, number two, number seven, number eight, number 11, number, you know, like they were just constantly on the charts for four years. So it's a, it's a, a really an amazing tale of an amazing band that had a very short shelf life, but you would never know it. That mm-hmm. I think that's the moral of the story is uh, they had, they, they accomplished in four years, what most bands don't accomplish in 10, 15 or 20. That's true. And the music, you know, you know that the music, music is will there. Never will never be. It's timeless. Absolutely. You know, it would always, it would always carry forward into the future. There's still bands doing it now playing that type of stuff. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's, it's just, it's just, and I really hope that it, stays like that i mean you know there yeah. are people who want to change it so much and they want to do something different with it but for the most part i like the going back and hearing that you know people carrying that torch i think it's important yeah, yeah and it's a, a it special moment in time. yeah a special moment in time for music yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. that, that mm-hmm. they were they were doing something that everybody else was into the psychedelic thing and credence was as part of that scene was decidedly outside which made them very new, unique and gave us right. uh this great great musical catalog so we're going to recommend as we're, we're going to wrap it up just go you know go to your st- favorite streaming provider 
Uh, look up Chronicle, Creedence Clearwater Revival. It's got it's 20 songs. And you start there, and you know there, there's plenty more where that came from, and and we will tell you, Sinister Purpose is not on Chronicle. So you'll need to you'll need to you'll need to go to the album to listen to that. We've been we we're we're really going hard on that song, so you're going to need to go outside of Chronicle for Sinister Purpose. Um, but it's going to be worth it. It's it's oh my god, this this music is just so great and so worth, uh, so worth your time. Which is why what, what, after thinking about doing an album, like we can't. You know, we just need to talk about their their whole legacy because output, because it was because yeah. it was so unique and so short but so intense and in depth. So that's going to do it for for Creedence Clearwater Revival. Like I said, go to Spotify, uh, check out Chronicle. Their twenty greatest hits. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. As always, we're there, and also we're on YouTube. So if you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and give us a like and a subscribe. That will help us build our channel and build our legacy, our podcasting legacy, as it were, as well. So that will do it. For Eric, this has been Dean, and we will see you on the flip side. You've been listening to the 3324 Podcast with Dean Legiro and Eric Cooper. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider, so please like, subscribe, and rate to become a part of the 3324 family. Your feedback is important, so make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 3324podcast and on Twitter at 3324p to join the conversation. 